Today we're talking about a pretty gnarly serial killer, so there may be a few things that are upsetting for some audience members in this episode. Be advised. Mike, I'm coming to London later this year, and today's topic has me a little nervous, to be honest. You do know that Jack the Ripper died like 125 years ago, right? Copycats, man. Copycats. I think most of those are done by now. I think you're going to be okay. (laughs) I know you're right. Today, this is not the concern that it was in the late 1880s when this serial killer kept your fair city in fear. Jack the Ripper, who was also known as the Whitechapel Murderer or the Leather Apron, was never identified. Like most serial killers, the victims ascribed to his work were all similar. Uh, He had a penchant for female prostitutes who lived and worked in the East End of London. Victims had their throats cut and were found with abdominal mutilations performed after death. At least three of the victims had internal organs removed, leading many to believe the killer had some sort of surgical knowledge or experience. In this time, there were a large number of attacks against women in the East End, making it hard to say with certainty how many people were killed by this individual. From April 1888 to February 1891, 11 murders in the area were collectively known as the Whitechapel murders. Whitechapel's a place, by the way, in case you don't know that it's an actual place um, and the murders all occurred there. A subset of these are known as the Canonical Five. Uh, The Canonical Five are the five murders that are widely believed to be the work of Jack the Ripper. These five cases are distinct from the other six. We already mentioned the throat cutting and the abdominal mutilation. We have removal of internal organs and progressive facial mutilations set all these apart from the other crimes in the area at the time. The canonical five victims are Marianne Nichols, Annie Chapman, Elizabeth Stride, Catherine Idows, and Mary Jane Kelly. Nichols' body was discovered about 3.40 in the morning on Friday, August 31st, 1888, in Bucks Row in the Whitechapel District. Her throat was severed by two cuts, and the lower part of her abdomen was partially ripped open by a deep, jagged wound. Several other incisions on her abdomen were caused by the same knife. Eight days later, uh, on September 8th, 1888, Chapman's body was found near the doorway to a residential building. As in the case of Marianne Nichols, the throat was cut and she had severe slashes to her abdomen uh, and, and many other organs removed. Stride and Eddos were killed in the early morning of Sunday, September 30th. Stride's body was found about 1 a.m. She died from a throat wound, but her abdomen had not been mutilated. This has led to uncertainty about whether Stride's murder should be attributed to the Ripper or whether he was just interrupted during the attack. Ido's body was found just 45 minutes later on that day. She had a severed throat and, again, missing organs. A man had passed through the square with two friends shortly before the murder, and he described seeing a fair-headed man of shabby appearance of a woman who may have been Ido's. His unconfirmed description matches witnesses in some of the other cases. Part of her apron was found later beneath some writing on a wall that seemed to implicate a Jewish person in the case. Now, such graffiti was not uncommon in Whitechapel, but the police commissioner ordered it to be washed away before dawn so as not to spark violence in the community. These two murders were called the double event in the press and marked the start of a month-long quiet period. On November 9th, Mary Jane Kelly's body was then discovered lying on a bed in the single room where she lived. While this final Ripper case marked a clear escalation in the murders, all five canonical cases were perpetrated at night, on or close to a weekend near the end of the month. 
The Canonical Five are generally thought to be the work of a single person, but there are other theories. Some believe only three of these five were committed by the same individual, the other two being copycats. While others have speculated, the other six killings at the time in the area are the work of a serial killer and that these five are not. I'm not an expert having only recorded one and a half podcast episodes about serial killers, but these sure seem connected to me. Whatever the case may be, it is widely believed that Mary Kelly was the last victim of Jack the Ripper. However, there are four Whitechapel murders that took place after Kelly's. The last one of those four is interesting. Francis Cole's body was found under a railway overpass in February 1891. Her throat had been cut, but her body was not mutilated. Her friend James Thomas Sadler was arrested for the crime and briefly thought to be the Ripper. However, he was freed due to a lack of evidence. Now, there were some suspects during the investigation, and there have been many suspects that have been suspected since. Uh, We're going to get into those after we take a quick break. This episode is brought to you by Away. Away makes smart premium suitcases at great prices, so your luggage doesn't cost more than your plane ticket. Go to awaytravel.com slash ungeniest and browse Away's suitcases featuring premium German polycarbonate, which is unrivaled in strength and impact resistance whilst remaining lightweight. You can choose from over 10 colors and five sizes. They have two sizes of carry-on, a medium and a large suitcase, and a kid's carry-on as well. And both of their carry-on sizes feature a USB port with an inbuilt removable battery large enough to charge your phone five times. Away's luggage also includes four 360-degree spinner wheels, a patent-pending compression system, TSA combination locks, and a removable washable laundry bag. I love my Away suitcase. It's changed how I travel for short trips. I have a battery when I need it. I can easily pack more more than I need, and also unpacking is a breeze because of that laundry bag. Away believe in the quality of their products and they offer a lifetime guarantee. If anything breaks, they'll fix or replace it for life. They also have a 100-day trial with a no-questions-asked return policy, with free shipping on any order within the lower 48 states of the US. Travel smarter with the suitcase that charges your phone. To find out more, go to awaytravel.com slash ungenius, and if you use the code ungenius at checkout, you'll get $20 off any of their suitcases. That's awaytravel.com slash ungeniest and the code ungeniest for $20 off. Our thanks to Away for their support of this show and Relay FM. The investigation into the Whitechapel killings is hard to study today, as many of the police files have been destroyed in the years since. We do know that more than 2,000 people were interviewed, upwards of 300 people were investigated, and 80 people were detained. Butchers, surgeons, and physicians were mostly suspected because of the manner of the murders. You may think that the name Jack the Ripper comes from the carnage, but the name originated in a letter written by someone claiming to be the murder. It wasn't created by the media or by the police. This writing is named the Dear Boss Letter, which includes a phrase about clipping women's ears off. What's creepy about this is that the body of Catherine Eddowes was found with one earlobe severed several days after the letter had been received. That aside, this letter is widely believed to have been a hoax and may have been written by journalists in an attempt to heighten interest in their stories and increase newspaper circulation. That belief wasn't widely spread, though, and the Dear Boss letter is often cited as being from the killer himself. But maybe it's hashtag fake news. Possibly. There are a bunch of other letters connected to the case. Perhaps the most famous is known as the From Hell letter, which was mailed with half of a human kidney. It was received by George Lusk, the chairman of the Whitechapel Vigilance Committee, and it reads, From Hell, Mr. Lusk, Sir, I send you half the kidney I took from one woman and preserved it for you. Another piece I fried and ate. It was very nice. 
I may send you the bloody knife that took it out if you only wait a while longer. Signed, catch me when you can, Mr. Lusk. Yikes. You weren't messing around. Mm -mm. Many researchers argue that the From Hell letter is one of a handful of possibly authentic writings received from the murderer. It is not signed, we should note, by, quote, Jack the Ripper. Another example is called the Saucy Jackie postcard. It was mailed the day after the double event murders and includes details about the killings that were probably public at the time of its mailing. I think I've had enough of these creepy letters, Mike. Uh, Let's talk about some of the suspects. All right. Wikipedia's list of suspects runs incredibly long, so we're not going to get into all of them today, but let's talk about some that stand out. Dr. Thomas Cream was a doctor who was found guilty of poisoning his mistress's husband. After being released from an American prison in 1891, he moved to London, where he was arrested for another killing and hung. According to some sources, his last words were reported as being, I am Jack the interpreted to mean Jack the Ripper. Obviously, he didn't get to say Ripper because he was hung whilst saying it. As he was still imprisoned at the time of the Ripper murders, most authorities consider it incredibly impossible for him to be the culprit. However, some have suggested that he could have bribed officials and left the prison before his official release. Such notions are considered to be unlikely, and they do contradict evidence given by the Illinois authorities, newspapers at the time, cream solicitors, his family, and even, in some cases, <laughs> stuff that Cream said himself. Uh, but man, the, the conspiracy theory must must be pushed forward, Mike. Yeah, this is that is one of the big popular ones, the I am Jack the... And then, you know, like, it's, <laughs> there's like a romance to it in a way, like it's like a storybook thing, right? Like, oh, he didn't get to finish his sentence. But. Two more syllables and this murder could have been solved. So let's talk about Frederick Deeming, who murdered his first wife and four children. His crimes went undiscovered and later moved to Australia with his second wife, whom, as you may have guessed, he also murdered. He was arrested, sent to trial, and found guilty. He wrote in a book and later boasted in jail that he was Jack the Ripper. Chances are he was either imprisoned or in South Africa at the time of the of the murders. So probably just another attention seeker. So Melville Leslie Magnachan was the assistant commissioner of the London Metropolitan Police. Starting in 1913, Magnachan said he knew who the Ripper was, but refused to name the person in mind. It is believed that this suspect was Montague John Druitt, a country doctor's son who inexplicably drowned himself in the River Thames in December 1881. However, there are a lot of errors in McNarkin's writing about the case, and in particular Druitt himself. Now, he did name two other suspects in his writing, including Aaron Kaminsky, a Polish man who lived in Whitechapel and was committed to an insane asylum in 1891, as well as a man named Michael Ostrog, a Russian-born thief and con man who is believed to have been imprisoned in France at the time of the killings. To make this more interesting, French writer Sophie Herfort has argued that McNachan himself was in fact responsible for the Jack the Ripper murders. Naturally, sure. I think everybody in London was at some point incriminated yeah. uh, as being Jack the Ripper. Because then there's James Maybrick, a cotton merchant who was poisoned possibly by his wife in May 1889. It was a pretty grisly time uh, back then. A 
diary purportedly by Maybrick published in the 1990s by Michael Barrett contains a confession to the Ripper murders. Barrett confessed actually to having written the diary himself though and described the process of counterfeiting the diary in detail. Document experts did then pronounce the diary a fake, the handwriting does not match that of Maybrick's will and the ink contains a preservative not marketed until 1974. There it is. <laughs> you got to watch out for those details when you're faking a diary with murder confessions. Like we said, there are many, many, many more suspects in this case. This Wikipedia page goes on forever. They're all interesting or weird in their own way, but the truth is that these grisly murders are still unsolved. Professional and amateur researchers are still, to this day, looking into the case. But the fact is, we, I think we all need to just kind of accept that we're never going to know who killed these five women. We should wrap this up by talking about the legacy of the Jack the Ripper case. These murders drew international attention to the overcrowded, unsanitary slums that hosted them. London tore down many of the buildings in this area over the next two years, but many historic sites still see Jack the Ripper tours on a regular basis. Yep, they are a very, very frequent thing in some parts of London. Uh, you could take one if you want to. Uh, Jack the Ripper became a recurring character in popular culture. In the 1920s and 1930s, he was depicted in film, dressed in everyday clothes as a man of a hidden secret, preying on his unsuspecting victims. By the 1960s, the Ripper had become a symbol of a predatory aristocracy and was more often portrayed in a top hat dressed as a gentleman. I don't sure how we how we got there. The establishment as a whole became the villain, with the Ripper acting as a manifestation of upper-class exploitation. Jack the Ripper features in hundreds of works of fiction, and works which straddle the boundaries between fact and fiction, including the Ripper letters and other hoax writings. In 2006, BBC History magazine and its readers selected Jack the Ripper as the worst Britain in history. Yeah, yes, I understand why that is the case. There are... <laughs> <laughs> there are some people in British history, even in the East End, that I would maybe think of as probably doing some worse things. But but I understand why Jack the Ripper was voted as such. Just look into the Cray, Cray Twins sometime. Just look into them. Mm -mm. <laughs> I've had enough serial killers or bad people for a while. We need some fun, happy stuff on Ungenius now. I like that. Okay. If you want to learn more about Jack the Ripper, there are a whole bunch of links in the show notes this week. Relay.fm slash Ungenius slash 54. Uh Jack the Ripper, Whitechapel murders, all the letters, suspects, lots of stuff you can go read about. While you're there, you can get in touch via email or you can send us show suggestions on Twitter. The show is at Ungenius. You can find me there as ISMH and you can follow Mike on Twitter as IMYKE. Until our next trip through the east end of London, Mike, say goodbye. Goodbye. Adios.